Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever heard about elevator speeches? Or maybe some of you have called them elevator pitches. Imagine that you are on an elevator, maybe in one of our downtown buildings, Ville Marie Center, and you get on with somebody else and you strike up a conversation in between the Rage Chaussee and the eighth floor. And right away, the person you're with asks you what you do. Now, you've got at best 15 seconds, maybe less, to tell this person what it is that you do. And if you're in sales, you have probably memorized something that is called an elevator pitch for this very reason, that you don't have a lot of time to get across the thing that is most important in your work. That's your elevator speech. Now, what would you say about Jesus? You're in the elevator, you're headed up to the eighth floor, and the person says, oh, you're a Christian. Who do you think Jesus is? What's your elevator speech? Now, you obviously don't even have time to recite the Nicene Creed, so you can't fall back on that, or even the Apostles' Creed. What are you going to do? You're going to talk to them about what a great guy Jesus is? How he's your best friend? He's a kind man? He's a good prophet? He's your Lord, he's your savior. What do you say in those few precious seconds you have to tell somebody about your Lord? John the Baptist had his elevator speech down pat. In fact, he used his elevator speech twice in our gospel reading for this morning. Behold, the Lamb of God. He had a few extra seconds. He would add on who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, why Lamb of God? Why would this be obvious, so obvious to the people that were following him, that when John the Baptist sees Jesus walking by and says, behold, the Lamb of God, they immediately follow him knowing that he's the Messiah. What is it about a Lamb of God? Well, there's all sorts of lambs in the Old Testament most of whom are destined to be killed on the altars of the temple. And in fact, every morning and evening in the temple, in Jerusalem, as John the Baptist is saying, behold, the Lamb of God, a lamb would be sacrificed morning and evening, morning and evening, every single day for the sins of Israel. For the people of God who had not lived up to God's standard, who had not kept the covenant that the Lord had made with them at Sinai, who had not done the things that God had encouraged them to do, there needed to be a lamb. Morning and evening, morning and evening, until Jesus comes. Because Jesus is coming to put an end to the death of all of those morning and evening lambs. He will be definitively, finally, once and for all, the Lamb of God. Just as he will replace the temple and he will replace the Sabbath and become all these things to the people of God, so too will he be the ultimate Lamb. But you see, it's not enough that Jesus destroys death, which is our great enemy after all. The scriptures are very clear about that, that the greatest enemy we have, the final enemy that needs to be destroyed, is death itself. People who do not fear death are the most terrifying people in the world. 
because they can do anything and they will do anything. It's not enough, though, that Jesus simply defeat death. He also wants to be the bringer of life, eternal life, true life, the life that God had envisioned for his first humans in the garden, Adam and Eve and their descendants. And so John goes on, if you might think there's a few extra floors for the elevator to go up and adds a little bit to his speech and talks about what John talks about what he saw when Jesus was baptized. He said, this is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Not just the one who is the Lamb of God, but the one who will cause the Spirit to live in you. It's not enough, you see, for Jesus to simply stop death. He is the Lamb who comes to bring life. And how does the Holy Spirit bring life? Why is it that we say in our creeds week after week, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life? Because way back in Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, when God made the first man, the Adam, the man of dust, he formed him from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the ruach of life, the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. What God breathed into Adam was his spirit. That is what made that pile of dirt become a living being who could be a friend with God, who could walk with him in the cool of the garden, who out of his side could bring a woman who between the two of them would become the people of God. That was God's intention for them. The spirit gives true life. We have breath in us now, it is true, but there comes an end to that breath. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we commit the body to the grave. But not the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is not just the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who defeats death, but also the one through whom you receive the Holy Spirit. And it's in John's gospel, John's gospel, at the very end, as Jesus is dying on the cross, that he breathes out into the world his spirit. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world loosing God's life into the world through his death. The disciples have an elevator speech too. Theirs is also very short. We have found the Messiah. They don't go into a lot of details. They simply go and start telling their friends and their brother Simon, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. We have found the Meshiach, the Hebrew word. Christos in Greek. And both of those words mean exactly the same thing. Anointed one. People that were really, really important in the Old Testament, oil put on their head so that they could be identified as being critical to God's mission in the world. But more than one kind of person was anointed. There's actually more than one kind of Messiah in the Old Testament. In fact, I remember very clearly being the volunteer chaplain to Lutheran High School North in Houston, Texas, and we took the kids on a field trip to see different places of worship. And our first stop was to a synagogue. And the rabbi came out and walked us through all of the different parts of the synagogue, where the Torah was kept, where the scrolls of the prophets were and the writings and what synagogue worship looked like. 
said, now you guys are all Lutherans, right? I mean, you guys chant just like we do. So you got it from us. And I said, amen. That is where we got it from. But of course, the time came for questions and answers. You never really know what question kids are going to ask. But sure enough, one good kid put up their hand and said, how come you don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah? And without missing a beat, the rabbi said, well, you have to understand that there are three different kinds of messiahs in the Old Testament. There were prophets, there were priests, and there were kings. To which, of course, every good catechized Lutheran should be going, well, duh, that's why we talk about the three offices of Jesus as prophet, as priest, and as king. Because he fulfills all three. To be the Messiah, to be the Christ, to be the anointed one, means to be the priest who stands before God and makes intercession for the world before his father. It means that he is the king of all things, that ultimately the final authority on earth rests in Jesus of Nazareth, just as he himself says at the end of Matthew's gospel, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and his prophets as well. Not always directly with oil because prophets were sort of called up as needed and went away when they were no longer required from the Lord. But in Psalm 105 verse 15, the Lord refers to his prophets directly as his messiahs, his anointed ones. So we have found the Messiah came with all sorts of meaning when he was sharing it to a Jewish audience. What do we say? those few seconds we have to talk about Jesus. I don't think we can do too, too much better than what the scriptures themselves do. Jesus is the anointed one, the one anointed by God to destroy death and give life to all who trust in him. How long did that take? Not too long. You can unpack each of those words as you want to go along, but really that's it. The one appointed by God to destroy death and give life to all who trust in him. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, in conclusion, I'm sort of sad that our gospel reading ends on verse 42a. Kind of hate when they do that sometimes. Of course, I know that the verse markings and chapter markings aren't inspired of God and they're not embedded in our Bible directly from the Holy Spirit. But in verse 42, after Peter is brought to Jesus, Jesus looks at him and says, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Kepha, Cephas, which means rock or Peter. You know what Jesus is doing there? Jesus is telling all of us that he has his very own elevator speech for each and every one of you. He's got a few seconds to talk to whoever it is that Jesus would be talking to. I want you to use your imaginations here and says, who is Emily? Who's Charles? Who's Coon? They're my lambs. They're my sheep. You are Kepha. You are rock. You are steadfast. You are steady. You are honest. You're redeemed. You're washed in my blood. You are called to be saints, Paul says. You are washed in the waters of baptism. You've received the Holy Spirit. But all of that boils down to the same short elevator speech of our Lord on your behalf.
they're my sheep. They're my lambs. Jesus is the shepherd, but he is also the lamb. Sacrificed for us so that there wouldn't be a morning and evening sacrifice anymore. Sacrificed for us so that the spirit could be breathed into you to give you life. So next time you find yourself asked, maybe by the JW that comes to the door, or somebody that you just have a conversation with who finds out that you're a Christian, be ready to give them an answer for who you believe Jesus is. You don't have to pull out the catechism. You don't have to recite the entire prologue of John's gospel. You don't have to give an eloquent defense for every little aspect of the faith. You can simply say, Jesus, it's God's anointed one, destroyed death and sin. He's giving us eternal life. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.